And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's long-anticipated episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to discuss the Pelicans-Grizzlies trade. Yes, we'll tell you why it matters for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, We'll do some other Nets news nuggets. This is our official NBA draft preview and... um, we're going to debut a new segment that we will only ever do once. It is the Ring Chasers Power Rankings. Oh, wow. Welcome back to the Blue Eyes. It's Mike here. Say hello, hello. Brian. Oh, oh, I missed. I missed that. That perfect note. You're supposed to come in. I was gonna, yeah. I was giving it to you. Right? Yeah, but I want to let you go because I missed it so much. I missed hearing it. It's been a while. It's been too long. It's been Mike. like three weeks since we Brian and I recorded. I apologize to everyone out Has there. Has it ever been that long? I, I don't Blue remember Nation. the time. Were you? On, um, you were on the cruise. The Carnival Cruise Line. <laughs> I was in the cruise around the world. Got a bargain. It was just me. Yeah. Uh, me and Jack Nicholson oh. from, uh, from, from The Shining. From the that's Shining. The, that's yeah. the actual Shining sequel, not Dr. Sleep, but it's just him on a you cruise know, ship. I watched Dr. Sleep. Quite liked it. I didn't expect to. More on that I, later. More on that later. I, I, yeah. I've yeah. never watched it. And we'll never watch it. Uh, that, that might not be I the did right watch. Take. I did watch No Sudden Move. Fantastic. Great. Great. Um Brian, how are you? So excited to be with you today. Good to be back. You can tell we're we've got smiles. We're happy. We're happy to see each other, Mike. <laughs> it's been too long. You're out in the cabin. It looks like still, or um, yes, at least Did I, I, yeah. I still have my same background, right? I did not. I didn't put up the soon, Blue Nation background. Yeah. Soon that door behind you will slowly creak open, and <laughs> a, a witch might appear. Who knows what? Who knows what paranormal activity could be behind you, Mike? You know, we'll find out soon on the Glue Guys. Yes. Uh, Mike, what's going on? What's what's the newest latest? Give it to me. Well, just let's go right into it. Let's just I gotta say it's ride. a buzzy it's a buzzy deal. So we're recording this on Monday night, nine oh seven PM Eastern Standard mm. Time. And we got our first Woj bomb of the NBA draft cycle. And it was an unexpected Woj bomb, and it actually has uh, a lot of ripple effects across the NBA, but specifically kind of could be interesting deal for the Nets uh, going forward. There's a piece of it that we'll discuss later, but essentially the Grizzlies and Pelicans have made a deal. Uh, Valanchunas is heading to Nolens and nice. Steven Adams, who the, who the Pelicans had just traded for and signed to a big deal is heading to Memphis along with Eric Bledsoe, who was part of the Drew holiday trade. And like there's draft picks being switched hands and all this stuff. To me, I mean, I'm going to dive right into the Nets thing. Bobby Marks uh, of ESPN, former Nets assistant general manager. I think that's what he was assistant at one general, point. Yeah, that's right. Assistant to the general manager. Um, <laughs> yeah. He he tweeted out, and I don't know if this is like the most updated information because it seems like 
uh, the Grizzlies may be moving Eric Bledsoe, so mm-hmm. they may not have to do this. But Bobby Marks had tweeted, for this deal to work, it will have to go through on August 6th, and that the Grizzlies will have to decline Justice Winslow's team option. Now, Brian. Mm, Mike. In our pod many, many weeks ago where we talked about free agency preview. Okay. A name I did not bring up, but who was on my list of free agents to watch for the Brooklyn Nets was Justice Winslow. Okay. Now, the thing that intrigues me about Justice Winslow, and I'll get to the negatives in a sec, what intrigues me is he, and this is like such a knock against him because he was, what, what was he, like a top five pick coming out of Duke? People were really high on him coming out. He was a hot, um, he was a hot mod. He's basically... What he's become and what he is is Bruce Brown. Mm. Um, he he is a version of Bruce Brown. He's frankly probably a more talented player. I mean, I would think n- no one would disagree with that he's a more talented player. But Bruce has figured out a way to fit into a role into the NBA where ju- Justice uh, has yet to. The thing about Justice Winslow is he gets hurt like all the time. And we have no clue who he is. But I do bring this up because... We don't know if Bruce Brown's going to be part of this team. Mm. Um, there's been some other reporting, which we'll get to, about who may be rejoining the Nets. You don't want to just get to it right now. may not be. Let's get to it right now. <laughs> Ring the bell. Ring the news bell. Uh, wow. Well, I hope it. everyone's watching the YouTube, which shout out to the YouTube audience. Um, Brian, show, do that ring the bell motion. Uh, I prefer <laughs> not to. It's a little lurid. It's a lurid motion. Yeah. It's, it's one of those hanging bells, you know. Woj has uh, reported that the Nets are confident or at least believing that Blake Griffin's going to come back, but they're not expecting necessarily that Jeff Green will because Jeff Green's probably going to get more than a veteran minimum mm. salary. Feels true. That feels right. So how do we feel about that? I mean, we've we done like the whole like you pick two, leave one off the island, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green thing. But now that it feels like a reality, at least one of them is coming back that it's Blake. How does that feel over Jeff Green? I was surprised how good it felt. It actually felt okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like Jeff Green. Don't get me wrong. I love Jeff Green. Friend of the show. What Jeff are Green. other things in your life that you were surprised felt so good? <laughs> um, great question. Uh, I did get a, a. I bought a real mattress for the first time, like you know, two years ago, and it was what a, a great game, example. It's a, a game. It was a real game changer. Um, I would say eating oysters. I. You didn't, ex- Did you didn't expect those. And then it's really about expect- the, acu- the vinegar is what it's, you know, it's just a vinegar vessel really ultimately. I'm, I'm a cocktail sauce vessel and I know that's like yeah. low rent. You're, you're still, you're still I ketchup like on ketchup. hot dogs. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize for like ketchup. <laughs> Please do. Please do. America's condiment. Uh, yeah, it felt okay. I mean, I didn't, um, I mean, obviously like, again, I, I love Jeff Green and a friend of the show, Jeff Green. Can't say it enough. Friend of the show, Jeff Green. Friend of the show. Um, so is Brooke Lopez, NBA champion. We've never talked about, but. Friend of the let's, show. let's bear that. Actually, somebody specifically emailed us to say, hey, shout out, like, give Brooke a shout out. I don't know who it was in, in, the, in the email here. I'll find you someday and shout you out. But they're like, respect Brookie Monster because the man won a chip and you have to love him, which I do. And it's fine. I, you know, congrats. Congrats. But also, F that whole team. Forget that team. And they were lucky to be there in the first place. Just kidding. These are, I'm trying to put on a spicy <clears throat> demeanor that really isn't natural to me. Um, um, it was. Louis, Luis Torres, Luis, the show. Luis Torres. Um, but yeah, I mean, I fit, I mean, we can do a quick bit on this if you want, but, um, I did keep one eye on the finals, although ultimately found 
that pretty unpalatable, you know, for, for obvious reasons. It was a wandering eye. It was a wandering eye. I gave him the googly eye. <laughs> for other um, content. And anyways, but yeah, so Jeff Green, I mean, like, I didn't, the idea that we're taking back Blake Griffin, I actually felt pretty cozy to me. Like, looking back at the playoffs and how much, you know, utility we got out of Blake Green, um, Blake, sorry, Green. Blake Griffin, <laughs> uh, it's nine, it's nine fifteen on, <laughs> on a weeknight. So bear with us guys. Um, but yeah, Blake Griffin brought a lot in that last series and, you know, seemed to be like a super like integral part to the team going forward. He, his vibe was really locked in, not to say that Jeff Green wasn't, but you know, that we get to keep him potentially on a, on a, on an affordable deal, which is ultimately what we're in the business of right now, um, it doesn't feel so bad to me. It doesn't feel quite so bad. I would love to keep them all, but we can't, Mike. We just can't. And, and you know, now that we have a little bit of clarity, it's not so bad, ultimately. Yeah, I I mean, I'm. it's become the point, like, so I've, I've looked at it from every angle. And so at the oh, time when I was thinking about Jeff Green, I thought that Jeff Green was like, that was the one I would choose over because of his three-point shooting was better than Blake's. But then when you really look at Jeff Green's three-point shooting over his career, it's like some seasons are good. Some seasons are like below average. Yes. And it's he's not like a really true consistent three-point threat. It's a, the great, it's a great point, too, because you don't want to – you know what we don't want to do? We don't want to go into next year and sour on Jeff Green, Mike. That's what we don't yes. want. I, don't, I never want to be in that position. Yeah, I never want to sour on him. And my thing about Blake and the only reason why I'm reserved – a little reservation is being held inside of me mm. is is simply the fact that I almost feel like they got lightning in a bottle with Blake last season, particularly in the playoffs. And I don't know if Blake's body, like how much can you expect out of Blake Griffin throughout the entirety of the year? Where like the energy he brought by being a buyout guy and then being on the roster and then playing in that in the playoffs, like that's sustainable energy that he he rode that momentum. I'm a little worried about full season Blake, like, you know, and, and I'm sure Nash will deploy him in different spots and there'll be games where he's resting. He probably won't play back to back. So they'll do all the things that they want to do to preserve the energy. I'm just a little, I'm a shade worried that, you know, maybe Blake Griffin isn't going to be like that consistent of a presence in the Nets lineup where like Jeff Green you can pretty much always rely on being in the lineup. I just, you don't know which Jeff Green you're going to get. Um, Fair. But, Fair. but Blake could be exciting. Um, like, what if he continues to get his athleticism back and he's even gone to a whole nother level? I'm just wondering. I also, the big question really is like, what do they, how do they bring him back? So is it a vet minimum deal or is it actually uh, like, they're eating into their mid-level exception. I believe now, Brian, you're a big guy in the CBA. You, you love the cap live and you love die. digging into the numbers, live and die by it. It's typically my, it's how, my Bible on the nightstand. I keep it, <laughs> you know, typically how buyouts work and Blake gave out a lot lit back a lot of money. So his, his buyout is unique, but typically the way buyouts work, like let's say, um, you're, you are Blake Griffin, and you got 100% of your salary. And so next season, technically, he still should have that salary from the Detroit Pistons. Whatever money he makes from the Nets would be removed from the bill that the Pistons would owe. So I don't know, because it does matter if the Nets are eating into their taxpayer mid-level exception to sign Blake. Mm. Uh, because they're going to need to use that, I think, for like a real strong piece. And if they're like breaking it up into multiple little pieces, 
I think they're not they're not going to end up with as much impact as if they a guy that I really like, which is like Boban. Like put put throw all that mid level exception right on top of Boban's uh, belly. But <laughs> um, Blake Griffin that coming prompt. back probably as a net. Jeff Green probably gone. We still don't know what's going to go on with Spencer Dinwiddie. We do not know what's happening with Bruce Brown. Um, I'm feeling a little bit better about Bruce Brown as we've gone distance from our last podcast. There was a good Alex Schiffer, your boy, did a good um, little roundtable about <clears throat> Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie's market value out there just by pulling in reporters from other teams. And like across the board, everyone was like, don't, don't really think that there's a fit here. You know, like there was not a whole lot of like, I'm, you know, enthused about about a big, biggish contract for Spencer Dinwiddie. That wasn't happening. Out there wasn't happening from Dallas, wasn't happening from um, the Clips, Clips Nation, wasn't happening from a lot of places. So I don't know. It's a Nets, it's Nets Daily did a little summary of that too. So uh, it's a good read. Check it out. Yeah. And and so that's a, the, the thing that you confront in all of these scenarios. It's that like who's, who is going to pay Spencer Dinwiddie? I still think that's going to – the money's going to be there where – I just think the team has moved on from – like unless if his deal is – like honestly, unless if it basically matches the deal that he turned down, which is the one year left at twelve point three million dollars, I, I like I think they're figuring out a way to use their budget elsewhere. Now, do we have anything else to hit before we hit the draft? Because I had a big draft question for you. Let's do it. Let's go right in. Okay, so the Nets, Sean Marks always makes a deal on draft night, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, he also isn't shy to use first round picks to get rid of bad contracts. Mm-hmm. He did so with Alan Crabb. Um, Torian, Torian Prince wasn't that, but the, there's multiple times when he's kind of taken something and said, here, I'll, I'll give you a little, little draft compensation and get rid of a bad contract. Do you think we see that with DeAndre Jordan? The Nets have the 27th pick in the draft. They have mm. three second rounders. Mark seems to actually enjoy drafting in the second round. Not yeah. that he doesn't like drafting, but like he, that he's not afraid to, to like he seems what? to to be pretty eager to trade away the first like a deep first round pick or at least like not afraid to um yeah so i didn't spend too much time with my draft review just because i have a strong sense that that's <laughs> that's that's gonna be I know. That's another kind of the Bay is. situation yeah. um yeah Ugh. i mean i i think that that's uh totally possible i mean i i mean but it's like i mean there's a lot to that but um that that deandre jordan is on is is in that position is should be not a surprise to anybody I guess is 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 my like takeaway whether that's a draft night uh, deal or something else um, that that's I think it's like you could break the question up that way um, I think Sean Marks both likes to trade draft picks and I think he w- would like to trade DeAndre Jordan potentially uh, hoping that it doesn't upset the inner politics of the team I think we're past that though I feel like the politicking thing is like I think we saw how like fragile a season is like ultimately and like yes it's hard to ignore that that's a, a whole a whole big roster spot with a with a big you know big old dent in it financially so um i would be surprised if there's a lot of people coming to bat to like save the deandre on the nets experience from the team i don't know maybe that's way off but um that's my sense of it um, well you and i we body language doctored it all season before it really even became as big of an issue like it it seemed like a, KD, Kyrie, and Harden, but mostly KD and Harden would just like kind of yell at DeAndre Jordan all the time. Yeah. They kind of treated him like how the Heatles treated Mario Chalmers. Yes. Like they would just make him kind of, they kind of would embarrass him. Yeah. On the floor. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 
And it it must have sucked for DeAndre to have not played at all as the season ended and into the playoffs. And he's still going to get paid no matter what. I can't imagine that he's going to be like really excited for a whole year where he knows that the camera's going to pan to him on the bench when he's in warmups and he's not like he's not going to play this year. Like there'd be no reason to use DeAndre Jordan this year except for that he's just a body. And that's almost like that's almost worse, right? That he's like just a body for this team. Um now here's the thing. It's like who who would want the 27th pick in DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, it's not it's to, not quite enough. Right. There yeah. so it's like do you do the Nets have to package a first in that that first second that they have, which is number 44, which is the pick that's finally conveyed from the Indiana Pacers. Um, the thing is, and this is bad for our boy DeAndre Jordan, uh, one team, there's probably other teams in the draft who don't have draft picks. One team I know who doesn't have a draft pick in this draft is the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. Um, and it like it, th- that is a tough scenario to be like, hey, DeAndre, you were great in Brooklyn. We love you. It just is like we're going to try to allocate resources differently. And we're going to send you to a really great place, a team that has a young, really dynamic young guard, uh, a, a former uh, Brooklyn Net too, as well as, as a starting point guard, and yeah. like one of the dominant big men in the NBA. Go to Minnesota, enjoy Minnesota, and mm. that would be what a, what a sad, sad Minnesota in the summertime though is it's quite nice, very nice. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, there's not going to be much Minnesota in the summertime. Just, just so, you know, season. just finding the silver lining, you know, wherever it is. Are you? Would you be okay with? So here's here's why it would be a good move, is that if the Nets remove DeAndre Jordan's ten million dollars a year salary and th- they take nothing back from another team, then it really opens up the possibility that Spencer Dinwiddie could come back. Yeah, or that you you could match anything that Bruce Brown's going to get for the most part. Like, you know, I I think that there's probably a desire from the nets to cut salary in a way that doesn't damage the core. And the only guys you can do that with are really DeAndre Jordan and like Joe Harris. But would you say that Joe Harris is firmly and still in the core? Is he still part of the, the, the core of the Apple? It's funny. Cause now that we're on a couple of different platforms, shout out to the YouTube, shout out to the discord, shout out to the TikTok, Mike, I set up a TikTok. Yeah. Tell I me got, about the TikTok. I, we got a TikTok. I mean, what else is there to say? Um, <laughs> how do they find it? I don't know. At, at the glue guys, maybe I think it's the glue guys is on TikTok. I think it's BK glue guys. Is it BK? Yeah. Maybe. I don't one know. of those you know things. Me. I, I forgot. I already forgot. Um, but we'll be uploading tonight after this. Um, but it is funny how different platforms have different, like kind of, uh, levels of toxicity and like vocalness about certain things. And the YouTube crowd is so much, anti Joe Harris energy compared to every other platform. It's really intriguing. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to make of that exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, for my purposes, like I think you obviously run back Joe Harris again, like hoping and praying that the three games that he was bad at the end of the season was, is not as, is, is a regression to a, a not norm that doesn't exist. And we never see it again. Um, and that he's just like his normal 53% shooting, you know, beautiful self forever. Um, and as he gets reps, it's got to get better, Mike, right? Who, what is specific psychological obstacle, like playoff basketball, elite playoff basketball, like just the very last three games of like a series is where you like suddenly just like 
forget that. I don't know. I, I don't buy it. I'm not buying it. It doesn't right. fit my my uh, a Freudian archetype that I'm familiar with. Okay. And yeah, I went to med school, so I know this stuff. Yeah, and but the kind of the thing I will say that was that almost stung even more about the Joe Harris situation was that for the most part, not in every game, but Pat Connaughton. Patty 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 Connaughton. Connaughton. Um, no, it's it's that, like, mean. and I'm not. And I'm not. I, I swear, I'm not doing this because it's like white guy and white guy. Like that's not the the comparison I'm going for. But I'm going for a guy who operates around the perimeter as a role player in a crafty manner. <laughs> Brian's like Brian's got his third eye working pretty hard on this one. <laughs> just, um, just waiting for but, it. But the edge role player on all these teams, right? The Cameron Johnson campaign for uh, the Suns, right? Like I, the that fringe. I'm not that Joe Harris is a fringe role player. But just outside the main sort of production center for the team, those guys who showed up in the playoffs, Bobby Portis and Patty Connaughton, um, that th- those guys showing up where Joe Harris did nothing in that series against the Bucks, at least in the second half of that series, it does sting a bit. And, you know, what's the difference? I guess the difference is that, like, they hit shots and Joe Harris didn't. Right. Like that's it's all it comes down to. Like Joe Harris's only utility in the end was just whether you could hit a shot and he just couldn't. Um, I do think the Nets need to like and this is going to go into to draft stuff, too. I do think the Nets need to upgrade like they need a guy on the bench that can get a bucket in a way. I know when they have Joe, uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant all healthy, like the bucket getter type, the Jordan Clarkson archetype is not as necessary. But I also think, like, hey, you can't trust that Kyrie Irving's going to be healthy the whole time. And, you know, you may want, like, a little juice on the bench if Spencer Dinwiddie's going to be gone. Yeah. So the Nets, I do I do want to push them, like, closer towards, like, Ish Smith. Like, grab, if Ish Smith is cheap this offseason, which I don't think he is, but, like, he's the type of guard, bench guard, that can that I think would have played in the Nets Bucks series at least a little bit and given the team a little bit of juice. Um, but anyways, I, the Joe Harris question is going to be a big one because if there's one move to make during the season, like if a guy comes loose, like a team, let's say the Portland trailblazers like suck this year and then they trade Dame Lillard, Robert Covington has been changed to every other team in the league if he's the kind of like the perfect, like, hey, we'll give you Joe Harris, you give us Robert Covington, and we'll keep things rolling. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coming back, draft stuff, and ring chaser power rankings. Mm, beautiful. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Brian. How, hey, how are you? I'm good. We have some lovely email, netspot at gmail.com. Uh, Brian, yeah, let's, guide us. Let's direct. plow. We'll plow through this. Um, Aaron, shout out to the Discord Fever, says, hey, boys, there are a lot of spots to fill this offseason. We've talked a lot about who might come and go, but my question is money. With our three max contracts and Joe Money Harris, there isn't a lot of room left. We actually have draft picks this year. Our rookies going to get some play time in this upcoming season. How many vet minimum contracts can we take on? Let's look at numbers instead of people. Thank you, Aaron Fever. Very, very concise. I, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And I was, as where I was looking at doing a little prep for the for the draft special extravaganza, maybe I would even call it. Um, that's forthcoming. Um, I got to thinking about how much time are these guys going to get, and it really is dependent on um, a lot of our other off-season uh, ideas here, Mike, what we're going to do. Because um, I was looking at these guys, I mean, it's hard to imagine a 27th pick getting a lot of run, um, but Mike James got shipped in from Siberia. So, <laughs> you know, at the same time, crazier yes. things have happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so what, I, I think the only way – so in we all obsess over like you know i live on nets twitter i see what's the discussion the the jt thor discussion the the draw some people love cam thomas from lsu the freshman who just put up points all season long mm-hmm. um there's like guys that everyone falls in love with there's a reason why sean marks traded the 19th overall pick who ended up being sadiq bay who could have helped the nets but for Landry Shamit, essentially, and I know that like the trade got more complicated and Bruce Brown was thrown in and John Moose was thrown in, all that stuff. Like um, any guy past, <laughs> I don't, I mean, there, there will be some guys who can contribute down the line in the mid teens, but the late twenties, we're not, you're not going to get anyone that's going to do anything for you. Now, the thing that you could try to aim for if you're the Nets is like, what's the archetype of a player that, could help you right and like maybe the guy won't the first year but the the second year or third year they're in your roster they could so like there's guys i like that i'm trying to think about is like okay this is someone who in a year or two could become i don't know gets you 14 minutes a game maybe even in the playoffs he maintains that that minutes usage um like those type of players are your nick claxton's so Super athletic big men who can set screens and dunk the ball. Like those guys usually get on the floor. I think crafty guards. So there's a there's a freshman guard out of Auburn, Sharif Cooper, who averaged 22 points and nine assists a game with the Auburn Tigers. I'm in love with him. The only thing is he shot like 22% from three last year. Mm. And I think he shot 37% from the floor, which is if you score 22 points a game – and then you couldn't you just had no efficiency at all as a scorer that's like a startling that means your team must have been like had no other talent on it besides JT Thor 
um, who really didn't produce it all for you. Mm. I know, like you have to find sort of that like it's such a funny term, water bug guard. You yeah. know, we got to find the water been, bug guard out there. And there's a couple of them on our on our list. I will say though that you know the history. I've I've gone up and I've pulled up the history of the number twenty seven pick, and Mike, there's a murderer's row of Ooh. of uh, of hits. And I'll start with starting in 2018 because 2019 and 2020, who knows? That's not decided yet. Okay. It takes a little bit of time, but 2018 to 2013. Here's some names. Robert Time Lord Williams on the, on the Celtics. Beautiful. That Ka- would be amazing. Kyle Kuzma. Pa- Fantastic. Pascal Siakam. Wow. Larry Nance Jr. Jeez. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Really? Rudy Gobert. Jeez. I'm saying this the 27th pick is blessed. It's also so the Nets better not trade the 27th <laughs> it's pick. It's a mystical number. It's you know Janis Joplin <laughs> and, and Jimi Hendrix and you know all those oh, wow. people. What they, a downer. Well, jeez, it's mystical. I'm just saying it's mystical. <laughs> you know, there's good and bad. A yin well, and yang to the to the number 27. Homicidal or yeah, yeah. Well, not yes. homicidal. No one, no one murdered <laughs> who, a bunch of people. Who knows? Not yet, but someday. Um, so, but there's, there's something, there's something there. There's something there. Well, okay. Let's look at all those players and what they were. So a lot of them like Nance and Kuzma were smaller fours, right? Like the tweener type between three and four. You said Gobert was on the list. Gobert is like, obviously European player. He hadn't, he, he was so skinny coming into the league. There was a lot of projection there. So, like, who was that guy in this draft? And who else was on the list? You had any guards? Uh, Bogdanovich. Um, Bogdanovich, European. I don't know. Could you call Siakam a guard? No. No, but Siakam's another tweener 3-4 type. Yeah. Right? No guards so, on that list. So you're getting you're getting inefficient, like, not inefficient. You're getting, um, you're, that's the zig when everyone else is zagging type thing. Like, you, you're getting guys who not many people... I mean, obviously, if they're getting drafted in the 27th overall pick, not many people love them, Bri. Yeah. Well, I don't um, know. I don't know. Who so knows? Who, yeah. who, who is the Kuzma Siakam of this year? So what I've, you're looking for is like a like a I've got some names. And I would Tell say the Pascal, the Pascal Siakam. So so before I – let me even frame this up a little bit. Um, and we're going way off script because there's even more emails. But it's let's just go. Let's ride. Um, yeah. So I went and did a um, – there's a, a Samford.edu – Samford is a um, an educa- an educational. Um, it's not Stanford. It's Samford, so it's different, slightly different, basically the same. Um, some guy there did an analysis of the most accurate mock draft enterprise of all of the <laughs> different sports journalist outfits and um, Bleacher Report. I mean, this is before the athletic. This is from 2018, but Ble- Bleacher Report is the most um, has has hit the most often and has the least margin of error, followed by The Ringer, USA Today, SB Nation, Sports Illustrated, and in the rear is CBS Sports. So anything that you see from CBS Sports, <laughs> junk, garbage, toss it in the bin, Mike. It's out of here. Get it out. Just kidding. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's lovely people working very hard, and it was just you know one year. Um, but. I did want to say that of the two of of all the so Nets Daily did a big um, aggregator of all the different mock drafts, two big names, multiple hits on each, and one who I think I even comped this before I found out that Pascal Siakam was the twenty seventh pick at one point, very Pascal Siakam esque in terms of his build and what he wants to be, Zaire Williams, 
Uh, yes. The Stanford freshman. Preach. Not, not <laughs> Samford. Not from Sanford, Stanford this time. The other, the other um, place. The Samford of the West. <laughs> Samford. Samford West. Um, so Zaire Williams, uh, it's irresponsible. If people don't know who he is, yeah. he's 6'10", 190. I got him at 6'9", 185, just FYI. Ultra, that, that that's your reading. I, I laser pointed him <laughs> yeah. myself okay. at the combine. Yeah, that's I got six ten. I believe uh, ultra athletic. Uh, I think he was like a top five recruit in the country. Um, but he goes to Stanford. They have an insane season where they're just like living out of hotels and right. tr- like because they couldn't play basketball there. I think he didn't he have an injury too during the year. He he shot ab- abysmally as a term that we use in the draft. Abysmal shot. Uh, yeah. Average. Is this correct? Fourteen points. Yeah, something not great. It, the optics. No, that's per thirty. That's per thirty. No, it's like ten, right? It was something like yeah. T- yeah. Um, his uh, his mechanics are bad. Fully flawed. He's got the the, the chesty a chesty shot. But I mean, uh, Pascal Siakam's mechanics weren't great too when he entered. And I'm going to keep continue with this meme until it's dead dead in the ground. Um, but yeah, it's irresponsible, Zaire Williams, because like he's the um, he's the high ceiling guy, right? He's, he's the boomer bust. Um, and you know, that usually doesn't pan out. And especially when you're trying to win chips, you know, he's not, it's unfortunate, but he's probably not the guy just cause like he's almost certain to not contribute right away. And, uh, if he does is contributing in a way that's like way redundant for what we need. Um, but long term, it, it's super fun. And we also haven't had like a super fun dunker bro on our team ever. And we've, you know, I've always well, just, Jeff, but besides Jeff Green, Jeff, but Green. Jeff Green was like old man energy. I mean, that's the different. best, the best kind of Dunker Bros, old man energy. But it's yeah. this is a little different. You're right. Um, yeah, we do need we need a youthful bounce, a spring, a spring and a step. Um, Jared Springer, are we bringing up Jared Springer? Right that, now? Could be, that, what... that could be next. <laughs> well, but anyways, uh, that was the one that that uh, came to mind first when seeing like those names because that does seem to be the guy with the most sort of the highest ceiling, as they say. Yeah, and, and but that but that gets back to the whole thing of like that would be a great pick um, if the Nets weren't trying to win a championship. That, right? That's and, a that's a 2018 Nets pick right there is what that is. Yeah, yeah. it just feels like and again we've said this before during this show. It just feels like the Nets are going to trade this pick. They're going to trade the first round pick, and they still have three second round picks. And you know, I would urge them to use at least two of them uh, to to fill out the bench and maybe try to continue to build some youth. But like when you think about this team, I think they're going to need more younger players at the end of the bench than they had this year because they're not going to have like well, Marcus Aldridge isn't going to shake loose. They're already going to have Blake. Jeff Green's going to be gone. I think there's a chance definitely one of Spencer Dinwiddie and Bruce Brown may be gone. If they trade the pick with DeAndre Jordan, like they're going to have a lot of open roster spots. Mm. And they're, now we'll get to the ring chaser thing in a sec because I think that's the mo- the easiest way the Nets are going to fill their roster, but um, you know, like I, I would, it wouldn't kill me if they had a couple of young pups at the end of the bench, Theo Pinson types, excited mm. energy, just excited to play on a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Um, brought in in practice every day, brought the energy level up because I, I, the, the Nets bench was in our run of our podcast. Okay, we've been doing this for. 20, almost 20 not, years. I think it's tw- the 20 yeah. year anniversary. We, we invented podcasts. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> like that was the the Nets bench could have been better. This was a middle of the pack Nets bench, and I and if I'm Sean Marks, I'm drafting for bench. I'm, I'm drafting for bench celebrations and energy. That's where I'm going to go for my yeah. contribution because none of these guys are going to play. If you keep now, yeah. if you look at Sean Marks' draft history, though, where has he been really successful? Right, he's been great. One at drafting big men. I mean, mm. he drafted. Jared Allen when he did, and Nick Claxton is already looking like he's heading towards sort of like a I'm not gonna say he's gonna get as much money as Jared Allen is gonna get on his next contract, but like Nick Claxton's heading in the place where like he could be a twenty million dollar center at some point in his career. Oh yeah. Um Rodians Karuks is was a good pick for one season, and then he was bad after that. Um for, co- for cosmic karmic reasons. Who knows what? Something yeah. something weird happened there. Well, yeah, I mean, well, we can say, yeah, well, we know. I mean, but it's, it's weird to say like that, that he like fell off because of that, though, you know, like falling off because of an off. We don't know that. Yeah, right. that's right. It's, we a, it's a weird comparison. Yeah. We're yeah, the line yeah. To but and and then he and then Marx made the Karis Levert selection, which shows. So if you kind of take all of those together. Yeah. OK. Uh, Marx isn't afraid of injury risk because Levert was like a huge one. Yep. And that's how he got Karis LeVert when he did. He loves super athletic big men, which is like, who doesn't? But, you know, some GMs like don't draft nearly as well as Sean Marks do- does when it comes to big men like mm. that. So, again, you look through the draft and you say, who's sort of an injury risk that may be falling? So, Jared Butler from Baylor was the other guard in the backcourt with Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler just got cleared by like the NBA's doctors to say, hey, you can continue trying to be an NBA player. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm, I imagine that's like a heart condition of some. Like I, I don't know why you'd have to get cleared. It's like either spine or heart usually mm-hmm. uh, when they mess with that. But he was ultra productive at Baylor. Um, he's a, he was frankly more productive over his career than Davion Mitchell. If you're not afraid of injury risk, he's the guy that you go to. And there are a ton of, and I don't think the Nets need to draft a center necessarily. Even though, I mean, there's my favorite guy in the my favorite guy in the draft is Nemias Keda mm. from Utah State. Who's, the who's, big, who seems to be really be falling, like yeah, who seems to be falling back towards the Nets territory, mm. which gets me excited. <laughs> but there's like Bones Highland from VCU, who's a guard, who's a good shooter, who can do it. JT Thor is the power forward that everyone really likes. Ultra athletic, still figuring out the game. Um, there's there's multiple bigs that you could like. The only big I would say that please do not draft is Luca Garza, uh, who is super productive at Iowa. But if you Brian, have you seen Luca Garza run? No, <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, what does that look uh, like? Do you do you ever play Buck Hunter at um, sure at like a, a bar? Yeah, I've I've been known to to pull up the Buck Hunter. You know when you you got the buck hunter, you got the shotgun, right? And you and you're aiming. So you here's shot. So I'm more like I have both of them in my hands at the same time. <laughs> you know, you know that meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Luca Garza is like when the game slows down after you hit a buck in the head. You know, like it does like a slow mo, right? And it like falls to the ground in a slow motion. That's how he runs. Wow. In in. In life. I can see it. I actually see it. Yeah, I get it. But he's he scored 24 points a game, nine rebounds, uh, 1.6 blocks. He's huge. Uh, he's kind of like 
what people thought Brooke Lopez was athletically when mm. when they didn't really watch when the when Nets. They had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. When they had no idea, <laughs> uh, I would I would just urge. I love a big, you know, just a big beast of a man mm. as a, a player. I would ask if they if the Nets could avoid Luca Garza, uh, but I love his teammate Joe Weiskamp, mm. uh, three point shooter, ultra athletic himself. Even though you don't really see it on the floor. Um, there's like a lot of guys I like, and I just don't want to be. We this happens every year. We I always get disappointed when yeah. the Nets don't yeah, use some of their draft picks. Well, can I say who else shares your opinion of big, please, burly men? Is Ron Kaplan, <laughs> who <clears throat> saying Ron wants to draft size, size, and more size, preferably girth over height. Hopefully, the Bucks finally prove, and Lakers last year for that matter, that small ball does not work. It may work in regular season. When everything slows down and the refs don't blow the whistle in the playoffs, it's old-fashioned smash-mouth basketball. Love the pod. Love you, Ron. Um, he's got he's got you know something to say there, Mike. Um, and I'm hearing it. I'm all ears because you know I've been on I've been down with the thickness for a long time. Um, and uh, that will always make you laugh. And one of the and one of the um, the new thick boys on the scene is Dayron De- Sharp. Are you familiar with Dayron? Of course. And his work. Mock uh, to the Nets in many locations. In four of the 10-ish uh, uh, out, outlets here, uh, he was he was uh, linked. So uh, at the 27th pick, a 6'11 center from North Carolina at a whopping 265. Mike, that's where I, that's where I need to see it. If you're a freshman and you're 265, that means in two years you're going to be like 275, 280. And then in five <laughs> years, you're going to be 300 pounds. <laughs> Because that body type, it only goes up, Mike. It only goes well, up from here. The yeah. place you really want to be living is Raekwon Gray from Florida State. Sure. He's 6'7", 270. Oh, those are good numbers. Those are strong those, numbers. Those, are, your, those <laughs> are good numbers. Those are good numbers. By the um, way, I don't know if you see the Baron Davis clip that's making its rounds on, on Twitter. No, what? He's... <laughs> He's, I mean, I'm not. This is as a, as an admirer. It was it was put, posted on the Discord. Should have the Discord. Uh, he is uh, 42 and 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 crushing it on a basketball court with a very new body, um, p- prominently thick. Um, so shout out to Baron oh, Davis. Good. Uh, and his well, new- Baron Davis always had la- had a little. This is chunk. this is notably this is notably thick. Um, <laughs> like like what James I'll Harden send, looked like. I'll send it. You know, crank it up, dial it up to eleven. Um, you know, no disrespect. You know, we're all headed there, but uh, and he's still balling. So so good on him. But yeah. So okay. So wait, show me your guy. What's his name? Uh, I already this, lost this him again. Six seven two seventy. Uh, six seven two seventy from Florida State. He played with Scotty Barnes, but Raekwon Gray. Uh, Google him up. He's a 22-year-old junior. Averaged 16 points. I mean, he was really the the team leader last year on a team that, like, Florida State always does this where they have a freshman wing who doesn't start oh, and yeah. is the top five pick. Look at these. Like Patrick Williams was. Look at these thighs. A pair of Christmas hams right here. That's what you like yeah. to see. Yeah. Now, I wish his wingspan was, like, 7'3". It's, it's so here on Tankathon, it's listed as 6'11", which is you know, longer than he is tall or than his height. But if he had like a seven, three, seven, four wingspan on that, that size, I'd be like, that's the guy. I mean, really the guy I I'm dying for who Mm. is going to go before the Nets pick at 27. And this would like almost be the one player that if he was on the board 
And the Nets had like, let's say they had a deal in the works where they, I, I mean, I understand they may want to trade DeAndre Jordan, but let's say they had a deal in the works and they said, but this is the one guy, if he falls to us, we're going to stay here. And this is like a someone in reason. Usman Garuba, mm. a big man from Real Madrid who played for the, you know, Team Spainers playing for Spain right now in the Olympics. Uh, ultra defender described as someone who's like going to be an all NBA defensive player at some point actually played minutes in Europe at his age. Um, six, eight two thirty. Uh, he guarded KD in the Spain USA game. Like if, if he falls, cause to me, he is a, a rookie who would play because he played professionally in Spain he is just a defender at this point in his career, so you could just use him as that. It's an easy thing to put him back into the NBA as. Um, he's the one guy that I think has like a reasonable chance of somehow falling because he's not. He has no offensive game really at all to speak of. That that could become a contributor, and I'm almost going to go as this far to say, and I know this is impossible. Like I kind of wish the Nets could trade up and get him because he is the one rookie. That, that can translate right now for them. I mean, they're not going to get up high enough to get like Chris Duarte, Duarte or however you say his name. Or I mean, Corey Kispert's going to go way higher than him. And Trey Murphy's another hot name who's like an ultra three-point shooter. Uh, but I, I think he's going to go way earlier than people expect. You've There's look, so many fun names. You ever look at Kessler Edwards? You ever, you ever look at that guy? I haven't dove into Kessler Edwards he, yet. He's, oh, he's, like, he's like a weird mechanics, Reggie Miller vibe kind of thing. But like the – it's always weird to me when like somebody shoots like 38% from three in college and they're like, he's going to be great though at shooting. It's like, really? Because that's like – I mean, that's good. You're on your way. That, but I always will like try to figure out how these scouts, you know – I don't know what figure what that, what, figure figure that, that projection f- out. Yeah. For like, yeah. like this translates to, you know, what, when I don't, are they even actually doing this? I'm giving them a lot of credit. I assume they are, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're just like, you know, using their witching rods to figure this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, do we have any other draft thoughts? I mean, let's just do the one big prediction. Like my one big prediction for the, the draft is the Nets have four picks. So they're not going to use all four to that on draft night. And the first round pick will probably be moved either in a deal to shed DeAndre Jordan's contract or to do what they did two seasons ago with the Clippers, where the the Nets traded their first round pick to the Clippers to get a future first round pick, which was the Sixers first round pick, which ended up being the 19th overall pick last year in the draft. Um I could see the Nets doing that, being like, hey, we'll give any team that wants it a uh, our first round pick right now for a future first that will be protected for whatever you want to do, basically just to push off, not making the pick now and keep the asset into the future. I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any hot takes on that. I mean, I've I've learned to just not <clears throat> to not spend too okay. much time on the draft. <laughs> don't spend. I always I did. This was like last year. I said I almost like tattooed it on my ribs because I spent a lot. <laughs> I spent a lot of time. You did. You <laughs> dove in. Yeah, and then I was like, this was dumb. I should not do this anymore. I mean, um, this is really, I will say, though, for a team that does have four picks, this is like the best draft to have four picks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of weird volatility, which is if you've got a bunch of janky deep picks, you know, volatility is what you want. Um, I almost wish the Nets were like bad <laughs> so that they could use all of them and like we could obsess over well, those four players and track them all year. That segues nicely into what Albert D is saying. 
um, sure. from from the email sphere. Shout out to Albert D. Hey guys, should Nets fans be worried if the big three do not sign extensions this summer? I feel like if they don't, there will be a cloud over the entire season and fear that they might leave us behind with no draft picks. Um, so he's worried about being bad again. Um, that's That was the segue. <laughs> and uh, Albert, yes, you're right. If they don't sign that extension, that is a nightmare scenario. I really have to imagine that they will. And if... Um, if they weren't going to, you would probably start knowing about it starting very soon or probably already have started hearing about it because like that would be a pretty big rift in the NBA at this point. Um, that, yeah. but can I just, I know as terrible as this sounds and no one wants this, everyone wants championships. If it became like, Hey, it seems like Harden, Katie and Kyrie don't want to come back. The, the free for all of the fire sale that would be happening (laughs) in brooklyn <laughs> how good. many draft picks yeah. would come back to Nets? it would almost be better for our podcast <laughs> yeah. if like the yeah. nets could get just boomerang like, 27 future first round picks yeah. like and just be like we're just shipping Kyrie's going to minnesota kevin durant's going to the wizards is there like and a, james harden's going back to houston a stepian rule the other way around of just like too many first round draft picks like can you can <laughs> the presti rule the presti, same presti yeah, rule yeah I think there should be because yeah. the, the Thunder have so many that it's like, hey, we'll trade six and five first round picks for number one. Like what what else do they have to do? Yeah. Um, real quick. So this is something I'm excited about, Brian. Hmm. Um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I'm I love I feel like the term ring chaser isn't it, it should. It seems like a negative, but I, I disagree. I think it's a positive. It's someone who's older in their career who once had a bigger role is willing to sacrifice that role to try to win a championship. It's noble. Just the term, it's a noble thing. It's a noble pursuit, though I think the term ring chaser just feels like you're not deserved of that champion championship that may be looming. Like how Gary Payton won one with the Miami Heat. I'm not going to – I don't remember what he did that season for the Heat, but like that felt a little – it didn't feel like it felt like Gary Payton, if he was going to win one, should have won one more at the peak of his powers mm-hmm. and couldn't do it. And it feels a little I don't consider him like an NBA champion right. in my head, but he has, obviously is a champion. Anyway, we'll suck on that, Gary. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> come at me, glove. Um, sorry, I really don't want Gary Payton to come. Yeah, after he'll come. He's, he will. He will. Yeah, come he after will you. come after yeah. me. Um, right, so what I wanted to figure out the ring chaser sort of ethic is a very powerful uh, tool that contenders can use to improve their roster for very cheaply. We saw that the Nets, I mean, I think Jeff Green could have been classified as almost a ring chaser last year for the Nets. Blake Griffin was a mid-season ring chaser, as was LaMarcus Aldridge. These guys sacrificing money and playing time to come to Brooklyn for what they thought was going to be a championship run. Um, now, what's interesting about next year and why I think next season may in fact be one of the most interesting seasons in recent NBA history is that not only do you have now this new NBA champion who a team with a great story, you know, Giannis gets drafted by the team and stays in Milwaukee and wins this championship. You also have the LeBron coming back with hopefully, well, for them, a healthy Anthony Davis. LeBron only has so many more times to go for an NBA championship this is almost like the last ride for LeBron. The Warriors on their comeback trail with Klay Thompson coming out of his injury, Steph and Draymond, and they have all their draft assets. They have two draft picks in this draft. They have James Wiseman to, to possibly put into a trade, Andrew Wiggins. So that team's loading for bear. 
And then there's even other teams, you know, like the Clippers, who knows what's going to happen with Kawhi. But if the Clippers don't, if the Clippers don't do anything this year, they're going to combust and it's going to be horrible. The Miami Heat are always lurking around. And the Phoenix Suns, I mean, the CP3 does come back. They were just in the NBA championship. There's like a lot of a lot of teams that are interesting. Mm. Um, so I, what I wanted to do was figure out if I was a Jeff Green type, mm. if, if I was an NBA veteran who probably could make more money elsewhere, but I wanted to just win a championship. I just wanted to be on a great team and win a championship. Where would I go, right? Yeah. Now, let me ask you, Brian. Yeah. If you're that type of person, what factors are at play? Because I think it's more than just, hey, this team could could win the championship. Because I think like climate, sure. uh, th- the city itself, you know, all those sort of like living conditions, yeah, and who you're playing with matter almost as much as like the being a contender. Well, even I will even add more matrices to that, which is like you know, there's a couple of different ways of doing it. There's like the, there's the Jeff Green version of it. And there's also the Jared Dudley version where you are, <laughs> you are truly out to pasture in the best, you know, best way possible. You love Jared Dudley. Of course, you know, who yeah. d- oh, it's only because I have good taste that I love Jared Dudley. Um, <laughs> but uh, so there's like part of it too, which is like, am I ever going, like, will I ever need to play? And that could be a pro or a con, you know, that could be, you know, some people, presumably people want to play. DeAndre Jordan in the Jared Dudley territory, <laughs> right? An overpriced Jared Dudley. I mean, I mean. Anyway, so that's a that's another little factor to to stick in there. Um, obviously, I'm biased because I live in center of the universe, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Um, so I have my preferences about where I would want to live. But you know, not not everyone wants to live in a 1.5er. You know, that's a 1.5 bedroom in, <laughs> in in Brooklyn, New York. I get that. I understand that it's you know. Being just walking distance to Ethiopian food, it doesn't rank high on everyone's, you know, needs. Um, but it's important for me, Mike. So, um, so I have that prejudice to work through. That being said, I mean, obviously, basketball wise, I, I rank, I rank Brooklyn both basketball wise and lifestyle wise pretty high in that. Are you asking me like my ranking right now, or just how, I mean, what's the? Because I'm yeah, sure you have you, yours. Let me give yeah. you the contenders, right? So, yeah. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets, yeah, Milwaukee Bucks. I put the Suns in there just because they were just in the championship, though I don't think people are going to be jumping on the Suns bus, the Suns and four bus. Don't, don't, you know, muddy the waters before I get a chance here. Sorry, I yeah. apologize. Please. Warriors, Lakers, Clippers in heat. So here's what I'm thinking, right? Is like, I, I mean, I think why partly why Blake Griffin wanted to come was it was in New York, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, and and you, I don't think you can put the Knicks into the conversation because they they're not they're not really going for rings at this moment. I think that's like if you if you choose the Knicks in this scenario, you're choosing it more for just like pure sort of like I want, I just want to play at the Garden and I want the celebrity all that stuff. Um, when you think about if you were um, a desired NBA free agent who could contribute to a championship team. Where would you want to be? Where would you not want to be? I mean, here's where here's what I'll say. Like, obviously, Bucks has has got a problem. The Bucks have a problem. They're they're great. It's a Cinderella story, um, but Milwaukee is cold, and it's it's a small it's a small city. I mean, I don't know. Is that am I am I? Am I, I think you're right. Am I yeah, leaning I, too hard on the because like, they did just win a championship? So like by that metric, they're the most likely to win the chip. So if you're evaluating your decision on that level, if that's like the primary thing. 
okay, that's probably the fairest, the surest bet. Um, although I'm not even sure about that because, like, let's be honest, they kind of cakewalked in there. But um, besides the point, then you got to deal with being well. It's winners not that they, they cakewalked. It's that Giannis put his foot under. He Kyrie's slipped foot. a cake under under Kyrie's, Kyrie's foot. foot. A yes. hard he ice, made him ice cream cake <laughs> yeah, that just came out of. Yeah. Uh, a Carvel, just, Carvel with, the, with, the, with the box on. It was a box on Carvel cake. Yeah. But we, hey, no, he's a great guy. Giannis is a great guy. You know, we, how dare we? Great guy. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. He says nice things. Yeah, he um, he wanted to win really bad. So, know, so you know, I just we forgive everything on the way over up. words. And the action I saw was him. I'm glad that we've got inexplicably we, we've gone full diving his legs underneath Kyrie's. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Mike, but like, you know, we're not, not to belabor the point, but it is. No, it's just yeah. actions over words. You know, it's just, it's just that Carvel cake was. Anyways. What did Girl Scouts teach me? Yeah. Actions over words. So, you know, that's another thing to weigh in. It's like, you know, now that you know that, that Giannis is like a diabolical and treacherous person, you might not want to be on a team with him. That's another, it's a thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's I'm the NBA's yeah. greatest evil. It's really he's because true. everyone thinks he's nice, right? He's right. It's a it's a Kaiser Sose. And wait, no, uh, that's not how it works. Wait, who's a bad guy that everyone? You are saying that Giannis is exactly like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> easy, easy. What? That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways, is this our TikTok. This is, is yeah, this TikTok? is for the TikTok. Um, so, I mean, here's what I I've been to I've been to LA. You know, I've seen I've seen that that part of the world. La di da. I've been to Miami. Okay, I've been I've spent a day in Milwaukee. Yeah, I've been I've, to Milwaukee. I I went to Phoenix when I was like eleven, so I got that. So I've been to most of these places. Phoenix um, is nice. Never been to the San Francisco area though. Never never been that. So I can't come. Neither have I. Yeah, people seem to like it. People like it out there. I like that weather. I mean, that like fifty five to to seventy five. That's a sweet spot right there. Sunny. Just a wind, just a windbreaker. That's all. <laughs> just, a, just, I'm a windbreaker wearing son of a gun. You know. Um. So part of my evaluation is is one. So I think the Lakers are really high up on the list. I think the Warriors are high up. I like you. Think the Bucks are kind of low. Also because like that team, it doesn't really incorporate sort of new talent often. No. Like PJ Tucker came in and got big minutes on that roster. But it feels like the Bucks are more of like a bigger system, like the Spurs were, and it takes a minute to fit in there. With like we're the Nets, like Nash is just like, oh, here's a new ingredient, put him into the stew. Like he doesn't need, yeah. don't need. Oh, here's some some chocolate milk. Let me just pour it right into Dude, my bouillabaisse. The, the way that Milwaukee mourned Dante Divincenzo was like. It's like, have you never, like, we we went through, like, 29 starting lineups, right? Like, what are you talking about, Dante D? I mean, I'm sure he's a big part of the rotation, blah, blah, blah. What we, like, <laughs> it's like. I'm glad the, the Bucks hate finally yeah, came out yeah. in the hour mark of everyone's, our podcast. Everyone's like, every, it's like it's Sonny Corleone out here. It's just Dante DiVincenzo, all right? He wasn't the heir apparent, right? <laughs> Sonny Corleone? I don't know. Who, who did people mourn? Who did people not want to, to go? They... Who's Ned? Ned Stark? Wasn't Ned Stark? <laughs> yeah, definitely not yeah. Ned Stark. No, um, he wasn't. Um, he's not a. I mean, you know, no disrespect. He's more like Catelyn Stark's blah, blah. brother. You know, who like the traitor, the guy who like rats out the family and the moon, whatever. the moon castle guy. Who's that? Like the moon people? No. The moon? The moon door? Catelyn Stark's brother was like 
he he was like the squirrely sort of guy who doesn't really do anything to protect the family. You're not going to spoil. That Game was of, so you're not going to spoil ago. Game of Thrones again, are you? No, no. Yeah. That, it was like ten years ago. Um, Could they have at least just made Jamie kill the Ice King, and then he'd be the Kingslayer, and he's on a redemption arc? Could they have at least just done that? They had to make anyways. We'll save yeah, for, that would have been that. Would, that at would least, have been good. But I mean, we could, we could, you know, we could kickstart. We could crowdfund. Could not be better, king, please, because he's like the worst character that they had. Um, but anyway, so so in my rankings, and th- this is why this matters, is that because you know, there's gonna if if there's a pool of NBA vets who are gonna be out there to be had that may want to come to Brooklyn. PJ Tucker is one of them. He's been linked to the Nets because he played basketball at Texas against Kevin Durant and poked many nets in the eyes. Mm. He still has multiple nets eye juice on his fingers yep. as we speak, along with champagne. Um, He's like that Pan's Labyrinth character with like the eyes on his <laughs> You know, you know the one? That's yeah, how that much, <laughs> that's so many eyes he pokes. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to eliminate the suns, the heat, even though the heat are attractive. I think the talent deficit is like, they, they don't have nearly as much talent as, like, the, the upper crust of the NBA. So I'm eliminating them. The Clippers, because the Kawhi situation with his injury, who knows what he's going to do. So Clippers are out. I say it's Bucks, Then it's the Lakers are number three. And I say Lake, most people would be like, oh, the Lakers are number one. But LeBron actually, like, there aren't many people. It's not that they don't want to play with LeBron. But, like, there's, like, this, like, cavalry of nba veterans who oh lebron's here i definitely want to play here it's like it is jared dudley um it's like but that is basically just jared dudley yeah there's there's guys who've enjoyed playing with lebron but like what we saw with the nets like there were multiple players who seemed to have really no relation with katie Kyrie, and james harden who like just wanted to play for the nets to play with those guys where that hasn't really happened with LeBron. Like, he structures the team in a way, but he doesn't really get those kind of players. He gets guys paid. He doesn't get cheap sort of contracts. So I put Lakers number three. I just felt like a uh, pang of, of excitement to, at the notion that I get to watch a whole season of James Harden on the Nets. I just I just had to – it's going to feel a pang of that. I know. Yeah. And I do I – do, as disappointing as the end of the season was, it's like – It'll make next season, this upcoming season, even more exciting the fact that they didn't win the championship. Because it's like, okay, now we're going to have a full roster, hopefully of all three guys who are healthy. And, like, the Nash can actually set up some type of semblance of a rotation, a consistent rotation. When does the season start? Um, Do you know when the season starts? Um, I think it's going to be normal. I think it's really? probably around Halloween, right? Short? Like, they're not doing the... Wow, great. Love it. Yeah, I think it's mostly normal. I think it's getting back to normal. Um, number two, I say Warriors, and number one is the Nets. I think that I think the Nets are still the most attractive team to want to. You've become a real if, homer, Mike. I can't. I didn't think I would see it. I don't think I would see the practical. Day. Yeah, practical. Your homer. What did you want? I mean, your homer credentials are beginning to show. Yeah, but anyway, so that that's our show. I think right. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Alan Backman. I mean, we need to get some emails that are getting in the backlog, but we'll we'll get to them. We'll get to all you guys. There's some people in there. Rich Wong. We'll get to you guys. Um, yeah. Next time. Next time. Plenty of time for all that, Mike. We're gonna do another two hour long episode tomorrow. No. When are we gonna When are we gonna link up again? Someday soon. Oh, after the, the draft. 
Maybe after the draft, we'll, I'm going to be in, I'm gonna be in, in Asheville, North Carolina for a bachelor party this for the draft. That's kind of a, that's kind of a spot. Uh, yeah, that's a, I guess that's been happening. Well, do you not want to do a show then? Because you may be. Well, I'll be there, but I mean, we could try. Nah, probably not. We probably got to do it on Monday. I'll be back early on Sunday though. Okay, so let we'll we'll, you, well that maybe we'll figure it out. We'll talk. Do do one with like Alex Schiffer or something. You pull him in. Yeah, I may I may scoop up. I mean, particularly because so there's a lot of buzz that's kind of actually been happening as we've been recording the show of like we're getting a lot of those leaked reports of of like all the discussions, the trade discussions that happened before the draft. These are now coming out because this is the Monday before the draft. So there was a report that the Raptors have significant interest in Ben Simmons um, and that one possible trade that was proposed is like a sign and trade call Lowry, Fred Van Vliet going also Whoa. OJ and Anobi in the fourth overall pick uh, for Simmons, which was rejected by the Raptors. So like, there's like all these things that mm. we may, that may happen that may greatly impact. Okay. You know, the nets big time. So, it's a big time trade. Yeah. So we'll see next time. Next time. Hey Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, Thank hey, you, uh, five stars. We want and we need them. We're at, th- we, we've been at 319 for like five months now. So we got to get, we got to get at least one more five star. 2000. Yeah. <laughs> up to 2000. All right. Thanks everybody at Nets daily at the athletic discord invites in the Twitter bio. We're on TikTok now, whatever. What are you, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Howard Dean. All right. Love you guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.